welcome to episode 23 of Not Another Teen Wolf podcast. This is to discuss the episode Chaos Rising, which is season three, episode two. As usual, you can always reach us to talk about the episode or this podcast on Twitter, which is NATW Podcast, on email, which is natwpodcast at gmail.com, or on our very beautiful Tumblr, which is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com. Chaos Rising, second episode of, of a new season. A lot happened. We're going to go through like we did last week with a small synopsis and then going through the episode sort of point by point. So Karen's with me today, obviously, to talk about the episode. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> the synopsis for Chaos Rising says, Allison and Lydia stumble upon a possible clue to finding Boyd and Erica while a childhood friend of Styles goes missing. Derek and Scott try to find ways to get Isaac's memories back. So which were your favorite quotes? Okay, so straight off one-liners in this episode, there's a few bits of dialogue, like back and forth, that I love as well that I'll probably quote during the course of the show, but one-liners... The first one, well, I believe it came first in in the show, like uh, chronologically in the show, was when Scott tries to convince Derek to, you know, bring in Alison and Lydia with, with the helping uh, 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 because he thinks they have something to offer. And Derek's all sceptical. And I love that he's just like chill and sarcastic now it's no like oh my god it's no like pent-up rage it's just like whatever because he says he says what you really want me he says something like what you want these two you want me to help them and he points to Lydia this one who used me to resurrect my psychotic uncle thank you to her and it's just amazing he's like oh my god he's like he's like a sassy gay friend or something like he's, (laughs) he's got this real bitchy thing but, like, with no, like, real anger. But, like, it's it's anger, but it's, like, human, like, withered kind of, like, ugh, kind of thing. It's not like I am a suppressed ball of rage and I'm going to potentially tear you apart at any moment. And this just keeps getting better and better, and it's so delightful. And it's interesting to me because I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I, you know, I think Jeff, da- Jeff Davis did what fans wanted because they wanted it or I think Jeff Davis has like been reading fan fiction and making his personifications like that but and this is a point that I'll talk about a bit later but I feel like Derek and all of the characters the way I think I think they're so well drawn by Jeff and the creative team that they are becoming the kind of what people that fandom wants them to be or predicted them being or saying, oh, Derek would be like this if he was chiller or whatever. And it's not because Jeff's gone and been like, oh, I'm going to do what the fans said. It's because the character is so well drawn that fans could read them, if you know what I mean, if that's making sense. And I feel like Derek is really developing in that direction that, like, people really kind of predicted that he would once he calmed down a bit. And I love it because it feels really authentic to him. It feels like what everyone kind of knew he'd be like and it's working so well. And the other one was another one-liner, which was from the coach, the economics teacher. Obviously, he's our economics teacher, and I loved the whole classroom scene as well. Scott puts up his hand and, you know, coach thinks he's not going to be – he's asking to go to the bathroom, and then he actually answers the question – and Coach is just delighted, and he's but he, he's just so thrilled that he comes up and he says, who are you and what have you done to McCall? And then he goes, don't answer that. I like you better. I like you better. And it's 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 so funny because it could be mean, but it's kind of not, if you know what I mean. He's yeah. like so thrilled about yeah. that. 
again, this is a point like this scene I would like to talk about, but I really, Coach is a good teacher. Like he's, he's good to the kids and he's a good teacher. So I really liked that as well. It delighted me. I missed him. He was in that class. Danny was in that class. Everyone was on fire there. Yeah, they were. I know. There were so many great quotes in this episode. It was really hard choosing. My first one was uh, when Peter and Styles are talking, they're sort of the ones that are left behind. You know, Peter by choice, Styles not so much. And Styles is talking about where the alphas are going to be hiding and that sort of thing. <laughs> and Peter just goes, they're werewolves, not Bond villains. <laughs> And I love that. And that's a testament, too, to to Jeff and his writing and the whole team and everything, because they try really hard not to make these characters sort of caricatures of themselves. And, you know, Peter says it later when he was like, I live in an apartment, yeah, not some love- underground cave system. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. He's like, where, he's like, where do you live? He's like, in an apartment network of caves hidden in the deep woods. Whoa, really? No, you idiot. In an apartment downtown. And yeah. it's just so funny. I love it. It is. And then my second line is from Styles. This is when they're in the vet's office. And they're talking about what could possibly be going on between Boyd and Erica. And they Styles sort of wonders if they're pitting the two against each other and then having them fight to the death. And he goes, it's like Werewolf Thunderdome. And I laughed so hard. And then I felt really bad because it's it's actually really sad like that they could possibly be pitting these two characters against mm. each other. But it was just typical Styles humor right there. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, two werewolves enter, one werewolf leaves. Yeah, it's, you know, it is funny. And the uh, obviously we had the metaphor as well about the kind of lions and the Colosseum, which is a bit more, like, graphically tragic and, you know, trust him to you know, take it to that place of, <laughs> of the of the Thunderdome. Humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so basically we'll just sort of go through the episode in chronological order and sort of talk a little bit about points that stuck out. And the very first scene was was the party like was them going to the party literally the opening scene? I can't I can't remember. No, it was um, Lydia and Allison and Lydia's drawing drawing on her arm. Yeah, that's right. Allison thinks that there's something going on and Lydia's not not as convinced. And that's obviously a setup to their plot line throughout the episode, but. The first scene with Scott and Styles is kind of a, a bit of a, a bromance as they're walking to go to a party. And Scott is kind of nervous about going to the party of like a group of kids from another high school. And I don't know if that's like a thing in towns in America that like you can't go to the party of like other schools, like if it's in someone's house. But my school was all girls. So our parties were pretty mixed in that our male friends were from other schools. So Again, an, an, a cultural difference I'm not capable of understanding, but the best thing ever about them sort of getting hyped up to go to this party was as they go in, Scott and Styles do this, like, hand-slapping, like, up-down, <laughs> turnaround. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you put your left foot in, you put your left foot out, and they do some sort of, like, yeah, hands, handshake, which, apart from being adorable and hilarious 
and romantical and wonderful is interesting because, okay, this, I, I was thinking about why I liked this and what I sort of came up with was that this show has a way of introducing like new things, people, ideas, like characters, but also like little things like this that make you feel like they're not new like you're just sort of glimpsing a little more of their story that already existed, like stuff that was already going on off screen and the handshake, the way they did it. And it wasn't like, Oh, this is a new handshake we made up one week ago. It it felt like really, even though we'd never seen it before, it was, it didn't feel like, like a joltingly new thing. It, it felt like we're just seeing more of their world that we hadn't yet seen. And some shows really have trouble doing that. Like some shows, every new idea comes out of nowhere and it feels fake or it feels like not something that you could accept was always there. But Teen Wolf is very good at doing this. And The Handshake is just a tiny example of that, but it made me think about that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I loved it just for the fact that it's kind of silly and kind of corny, but at the same time, like, what kids in high school didn't have a secret handshake with their best <laughs> friend? I know I did, you know? Yeah. And it was just a great way to kind of remind us of their age and something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just painted a picture really strongly that, yeah, that just worked really well. I loved it. I mean, I thought that, you know, all of the talk about, like, them, you know, not being as close and that Scott being close to Isaac, I thought that was something that we were going to have coming back into season three. Like, maybe it's something that's meant to develop during season three, like this whole, like, oh, Styles and Scott have drifted apart a little bit and Isaac is, is the Scott BFF. We haven't really seen much of Scott. And, I mean, obviously there was a lot of Isaac in this episode. We haven't seen a lot of Scott and Isaac's friendship or, you know, the fact that Styles and Scott have apparently drifted. So maybe that'll happen during the course of the season. But I was actually expecting that to be sort of a like a cold open thing, like something that had gone on in the in the off time. And it doesn't seem like we have that yet. Yeah, that's true. I guess I was kind of assuming it would be like that too. Yeah. I was a little disappointed with the party scene. I really wanted to throw back to the movie here with like Jello or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. I thought that would have been really funny. It re- yeah, it would have been a good opportunity. But, I mean, it also had the two boys feeling, like, slightly uncomfortable, whereas in the movie, um, as we discussed, Styles ended up sort of taking over and being, like, the games master or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting if they did that at some point, like some little reference to to all of that. Maybe Scott will have a birthday party or Styles will have a birthday party, even though I don't know if anyone, like if, if hundreds of people would come or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, I, I do. It is something I would like to see. So what did you think about the whole Styles and Heather dynamic and her kind of just wanting to have sex and picking Styles to do it with? It was kind of weird. I mean, in a way, it was quite sweet in that, like, it, it didn't seem like really, it didn't seem really slutty or anything. Like, it didn't seem gross. Like, it seemed like that she had this sort of misguided teenage idea that she was going to be totally uncool now that she was, like, 17 and and hadn't had sex. But it was kind of nice that, like, when Danielle, Chantel's character, was like, do you have someone in mind? And then Styles comes in and and she kind of sees him and and kisses him and and takes him away. And it's kind of – it didn't seem like she was necessarily taking advantage of him. She didn't feel like, oh, he's – lame or whatever he, he'd be up for it like she didn't seem mean or anything like that it kind of seemed like that she was a little bit nervous and that maybe she picked him because even if it didn't mean anything even if it wasn't oh I had a crush on you or whatever she says that it was someone that she'd known her whole life and and trusted so I kind of 
felt like that about it, like that she was sort of um, picking him not because he was like an easy target or like because she didn't like him and would be easy to take advantage, but because he would be really safe emotionally maybe or, you know, you know that it wasn't going to be someone who was horrible to her or took advantage of her either. So I kind of liked that, like if you think about it. He, he was very startled obviously when she greeted him and and he, his face during that first kiss when he when she kissed him was hysterical. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was really funny. I agree about why she decided to go with Styles because they've been friends for so long. They're really close and I think she would have felt comfortable and would have felt like she didn't have to pretend with him and I think yeah, it would have been a really safe choice to go with him. So, I agree that it w- it didn't feel slutty or anything. It was a little weird, but at the same time I can kind of understand her reasoning, so I think it was fine. Yeah, it was. And I mean, obviously, we had um, Danielle there, Chantel's character. That was, she was at a Beacon Hills High party and then whatever this party was. So I don't know where she crosses the streams, like which school she goes to or anything like that. But she clearly doesn't have Scott McCall qualms about <laughs> going to a going to a party at, at, for a different high school. Her character was cool in that she had like a proper dialogue with Heather and they seemed to be quite close friends. And it did, again, it seemed really natural. Like, it's the, the kind of thing that I just mentioned, that you you drop in new things and new people and it doesn't feel, like, totally shocking. It feels really – it paints the picture straight away, really, and you could sort of paint the picture of, of their friendship and what each person was like very easily from that from that interaction. And, and I actually really liked that kind of – that back and forth and it would be cool if all – all of these characters, like the tiny bits of scenes they have if they have a conversation, nearly every character feels like if you wanted to develop them into a into a bigger character, you could because their picture is painted so well straight away, if that makes sense. Um, so I really liked that, and I liked that she, um, like after uh, after Heather took Styles away to hook up, and you know, because Styles and Scott were both there to try and hook up originally Styles thought he would be introduced to some other people not that his friend would actually take him but as soon as he goes off she Scott kind of looks at Chantel and is like hello and then she kind of just like looks him up and down and walks off which was hysterical and I (laughs) don't know if I could have kept a straight face but it was amazing and and hilarious because Scott is a bit of a derp and Danielle (laughs) seems quite cool so yeah yeah Yeah, that was great. I love seeing Chantel in there again. It's always nice when she pops up. The other thing about the whole Styles and Heather thing is that it breaks one of the three rules that allegedly Jeff and Dylan said about Styles last. It was either in season one or season two. They said like Styles is kind of the sidekick. They said Styles will never kiss a girl never take off his shirt and never become a werewolf and now one of those things is broken so do you think the other things are possible that they might be broken at some point i think it's possible i still don't think he's ever going to become a werewolf because that's just i i just don't see his character going in that direction Mm. i could definitely see him with his shirt off i mean that's not really 
a big deal either way to me, but I would kind of, I think it's funny when they do like that thing. I think it was in season two where they open the locker and you know, he gets yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's really funny. So I kind of hope they keep that. And then at the same time, like him kissing Heather, it felt very natural and it's obviously part of the plot line. So I'm glad that they broke that rule because I think it really benefits the story. Yeah, like, it definitely would have, like, kept it at a bit of, a, like, a cutoff, if you know what I mean. And it's interesting as well that they feel like they can do that, that they could say something publicly and then go against it. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's not like it's not like lying or anything. It's not like, oh, we're never going to do this and then we do this. It was kind of – it kind of is cool that they felt like that they wanted to happen and they weren't like, oh, we can't do this because we once said that. Like, I think it was sort of a half a joke when they said it originally, but it was one of the things on the list, so I just noticed it, basically. Yeah, and I think, I mean, even with characters like Lydia, Jeff said that he never imagined Lydia would be as important as she is, and I think the same thing is sort of going with Styles that he's just growing in a direction that Jeff may not have realized he was going to go in at first, And that's totally fine to have him sort of walk down a different path, especially if it benefits the story as much as I think this is going to. Yeah, for sure. One other thing before the the drama starts was that when Styles goes upstairs, um, when they're they're sort of downstairs and they're going to hook up and she sends him away to go looking for a condom, the bit in the upstairs bathroom where he's looking for the condom reminds me, have you seen the movie Can't Hardly Wait, like the 90s teen movie? It's got like... Ethan Embry, it's, I think, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Lauren Ambrose, Seth Green. It's, like, it's it's one of my favourite, if not my favourite, no. 90s teen movie. And basically Seth Green is this, like, really derpy character in it who, like, thinks he's cool. He's, like, a white boy rapper, like, wants to be, like, <laughs> kind of thing. It's so funny. And basically he's up there, like, looking he, – he's got this whole, like, kit of, like – he's basically got this backpack full of all of this, like, sex stuff because he's, he's like, a really pathetic, like, guy and, like – um, like a secret virgin and he's trying to hook up and look really cool and there's this scene where he's in the bathroom kind of trying to get himself ready and then his friend comes in there his like childhood friend basically who they weren't close anymore but they're at the same party and they were childhood friends and they end up getting locked in the bathroom together and spending the night of the whole the whole party locked in the bathroom the whole movie is like takes place in this one party and they basically stay in there and then they get together in the, in the end of the movie and stuff. But even, like, the layout of the bathroom and the way he's looking in the mirror, it reminded me so much of, like, Seth Green bef- in, in the bathroom in Can't Hardly Wait. And I have no idea if that was on purpose, but I would love if it was. It would be so funny. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, hit me up because uh, I cannot be the only one that thought that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was on purpose because we all know how much Jeff likes making movie references in the Mm. show. So then, yeah, like you said, then the drama starts. We see Heather and Styles obviously go down to the wine cellar and then he goes back up to get a condom. And while he's gone, all these wine bottles start flying off of the shelves and Heather's sort of like being attacked by them. I mean, her feet are all cut up, her face is cut up. She kind of backs up into the wall and the window opens and then we kind of just get a shot of her feet getting lifted off the ground and Mm. something drags her out of the window and she disappears and that's sort of, you know, the mystery now is what happened to Heather. Yeah, it was all very dramatic. Like, the way the wine bottles were flying around did not seem 
normal in that didn't it didn't seem like someone was pushing them off the shelves. They were literally sort of whizzing around of their own accord, like like they were being fired from a gun or something. And then obviously she was really kidnapped. She did vanish and she was pulled out the window by we don't know what or for what purpose. But when Styles gets back down there, um, there's no wreckage. Like we also see later in the episode that he had no idea that she was properly missing or that there had been any foul play. So clearly he he didn't notice all of that wine bottle stuff. So what's the situation there? I have no idea. This is really confusing to me because, yeah, well, first of all, all the wine bottles fly off the shelves like there's a poltergeist or something. I mean, those are like really angry spirits. So they tend to be shown like really being destructive. And that's sort of the thing that popped into my head when I was all that was going on. Unless somebody has like magic powers, telekinesis or something, and they're literally just drawing the bottles off of the shelves. But on top of that, I mean, it made a huge mess. And I don't think Styles was gone that long between when she disappeared and when he came back down. And it was perfectly clean. I mean, there was nothing. So was she hallucinating it or did somebody clean it up? I feel like her kidnapper didn't come in with, like, a mop and, like, a, you know, a hairdryer and, like, start, like, drying the concrete and, like, sweeping up all of the, you know, the glass. But, yeah, I mean, but why would she hallucinate that or why would they make her hallucinate, like, the person make her hallucinate that, like, just to, you know, disorientate her before grabbing her or, like, to make her, like, back up to the window so that they could grab her out the window, like... I don't know. Yeah, that's a possibility. I guess, like, the first question we really have to ask is who kidnapped her, and I think that'll kind of lead into the why they did it. But still, I mean, do you think it was the Alpha Pack, or do you think it's somebody else? This is a question I'm really not prepared to answer. (laughs) Um, I mean, I feel like, I know that Jeff said that he wouldn't write two villains, like in two villain, like, or two mysteries into one arc, if you know what I mean. And, like, in season two, obviously you had the Canemar and then you had, like, Matt and, and Gerard, but it was all part of the same story. So if it wasn't the Alpha Pack specifically, like if it wasn't, you know, Deucalion or, you know, whoever, I feel like it's all to do with the same, whatever the same story is, basically, and... I don't know if it's meant to affect Styles or if it's just a total coincidence that it was her. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's gonna be maybe it's someone looking to mess around with Derek's pack and is going to threaten Styles or you know you know try and get Styles to give up Derek or go against Derek by basically using her as bait. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I've got. That's a good theory. I I didn't really think it was the Alpha Pack. But now that you've said, you know, he wouldn't write two main villains in the same story arc and everything like that, I kind of do have to wonder if it's somebody working for the Alpha Pack. And, you know, maybe it was like Morel or somebody that she's yeah, I thought maybe. With. Yeah, I thought maybe Morel as well. But I don't really, I can't begin to to imagine. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really give us a whole lot of clues, so I think everybody at this point is pretty left in the dark. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the next scene after that is at Derek's loft apartment thing with him and Isaac, and and they're talking basically about 
um, helping Isaac retain some of the memories that he lost when he was kidnapped. And I really enjoyed this scene as well. I weirdly started shipping Derek and Isaac in it. Derek, <laughs> Derek was just on fire this episode, though. But there was this weird, like, this back and forth. It was a weird... I think it's obviously a dependency thing because Derek is the alpha and Isaac is dedicated, like he is dedicated to him as his beta. It's not like an unwilling thing. But just the back and forth that they had was very – they seemed really close. Like they seemed closer than they were and they seemed more like like he deferred to Derek more. Like he really – like they seemed comfortable with each other and they seemed – yeah, it just seemed like a little private relationship conversation. And, I mean, I – suppose being someone's alpha it's a quite it's a sort of a family thing like it is quite intimate so yeah we seemed closer than I thought about them in my mind if you know what I mean and and more more on the same page yeah absolutely I totally agree with that but at the same time did you notice that sort of hesitance that Isaac had when he was like oh I trust Scott and Scott doesn't like Peter Mm. and Derek was like do you trust me and Isaac was like uh yeah I mean I think he does trust Derek but not nearly as much as he trusts Scott yeah, for sure. And then I loved that they just started bitching out Peter and that, like, <laughs> Isaac was very sulkily like, does it have to be him? I don't like him. And and then <laughs> Derek's just like, nobody likes him. And then <laughs> when Peter comes in being like, FYI, boys, I may, you know, be a bit damaged still, but my hearing still works, so anything you want to say about me, you better be okay with saying it to my face. And Derek just looks straight at him and says, we don't like you. Now shut up and help us. It was just <laughs> so funny. I loved it. But I also loved Peter's entrance as well. Oh like, my God, he's yeah. He's so cool. I love him. <laughs> he's so cool. He has boots and he had like a cool shirt and he was just such a bitch and I love it. <laughs> yeah, his, I mean, Jeff Davis says he loves grand entrances and you could really see that in the way that Derek came in in the last episode and even Peter this episode, it sort of was down on his feet and then it came up and he was just like, yeah, say it to my face. And I... I loved Peter in this scene. I loved Peter in the whole episode, even though he was kind of being a jerk. But, yeah, he was just, he was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I, he was he was amazing. Like, it's, it's it totally reminds me of, like, Spike in Buffy in the seasons when Spike has to hang out with the Scoobies because he has the chip, like, in season four, yeah. pretty much, that he just sits around being as unhelpful as he possibly can while not actually being able to do anything. And I love that. Like, so he's not like Spike exactly, but I love that kind of idea. It just really makes me laugh. Um, He was fantastic. And I just think he's so cool. And, and I, I want to see where he's, his story's going to go. Like, I think he just has such potential as a character. I think he's so awesome. But anyway, we go from there to basically he is the one who's going to help Isaac or the first first experiment of, of helping Isaac, I guess, like kind of doing the same thing that they did to him originally, which is to like claw him in the neck in order to – that's how they took the memories away. And I don't know if you can like re- reactivate them, I guess. And apparently Peter has some experience doing this, don't know how much because we obviously don't know how long he was an al- he wasn't an alpha for that long like we don't know who he did it to and before that you know he was just a 
he was a beta and then he was a paralyzed in the hospital beta. So he apparently has some experience. Oh, man, what if he did it to Laura? Ooh, that would be not very nice. Because, yeah, they say, you know, if you're not careful, you can paralyze or kill someone. And Isaac's like, have you? And he's like, well, I haven't paralyzed anyone. And we know what that means. And we see, basically, that he his experiment sort of works in that he he gets some memory he get he sort of sees some shapes he sees the vague idea of where they where they were like images he and they realized that Isaac found Erica and Boyd basically he he was he was where they were they don't know where that is but he knows that they he was where they were and that he got out of there and in the process of doing all of this we actually haven't seen Peter transform into a werewolf except when he was like the full body alpha we haven't seen what he looks like as a werewolf but in this when he's working on Isaac we do see that his eyes flash blue and we don't know if that's just a flash or if he's like a permanently blue-eyed werewolf but the fact that he's got blue eyes and Jackson's got blue eyes um, has brought up some theories about the blue eyes once again. I'm sure that we're going to find out eventually, but and there's some new theories that have come up. Yeah, they're interesting in that people are thinking it means that you've been resurrected because we know that Jackson died as the Kanama and came back as a werewolf and he had blue eyes. And then now that Peter's back from the dead, he has blue eyes apparently. And so people are wondering, okay, what does this mean for Derek then if we... If this theory is true, he has blue eyes. Does that mean that maybe he was in the Hale House fire after all and he died but came back to life? Or some people are even thinking that it's possible maybe he tried to kill himself after the fire and somebody resurrected him or something like that. But does he have proper blue eyes? Like when he was a beta, his eyes were mostly gold and then they just went blue before he became an alpha or did he have blue eyes the whole time i don't remember him having blue eyes the whole time he was yeah he had blue eyes the whole time really yeah am i delusional or something because uh, so he had blue scott had brown erica had brown boyd has brown am i remembering this totally incorrectly yeah, so Derek always had blue eyes when he transformed, is that right? Right, except on the season one DVD case, he does have the the amber-yellow eyes, yeah. okay. but All right. I think that was just a mistake. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, so basically, if it does mean that you've died and been resurrected, then maybe he drowned, or maybe he... Oh, that's good, because we know that there's going to be some water scenes later in the season. Yeah, and that's something where you can definitely, like, officially die and come back. And maybe, or maybe he, like, choked up on smoke inhalation. The thing about people saying, oh, maybe he didn't survive the fire was confusing to me in that I, in in my mind, and I don't know if I pulled this from the show or if I pulled this from the, the book, which we're not really sure is canon or what, but I thought that he wasn't at, the fire like I thought that he wasn't literally in the house when the fire happened but then obviously he shared those memories with Jackson of the fire so do you think Derek was in the fire and escaped from it because as we'll see later obviously you know some people escaped the fire that he apparently didn't know escaped the fire so surely he wasn't there and I mean 
there's so many options for what it could be. But do you think that Derek and Laura were present for the fire? I don't know about Laura, but I think what may be going on with Derek is that I don't think he was in the house when the fire started, but I kind of wonder if he came up on the house as the fire was already going. Because when we see those flashbacks in Jackson's mind, it's from the outside. We see the the people reaching through the grate in the window trying to escape. And so I wonder if, you know, the house is already on fire. Derek comes in and tries to save everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, definitely possible. Yeah, but I feel like, I don't know if I'm just getting this from from the novel, but yeah, I I didn't think that he was like unsuspectingly one of the victims of the fire, you know, obviously, I I thought that he was not there. But I feel like that he, he was definitely a part of it in some way, because he seems to have to the, I mean, you'd obviously have trauma either way if your whole family burnt down, but um, um, he seems to have that that actual trauma and he shared those memories with, with Jackson as well, though it could have just been nightmares or dreams or something like that as That's well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad we're going to have to wait till like, episode eight to find out. Oh, <laughs> I need that episode, like, now. I know. <laughs> Is that the episode you find out about the eyes as well? Yeah. Oh, I feel like I feel like people might be onto something with this resurrection thing. Yeah, it's I actually do. I actually do. I'm much more. I was being like, "What? What are you talking about?" When we were talking about this before, but it's because apparently I had some delusional like mind blank that Derek's eyes were brown and not blue as the beta because it's been so long since season one that I and you know obviously they were red in season two. But yeah, no, I totally yeah totally get. That now, if his eyes were blue, yeah, it could be a mystery. And obviously all the alphas are red. Ah, I don't know, man. I want to know. And I feel like, yeah, if, if it's in the same episode as The Fire, then maybe we will find out, yeah. I can't believe Scott's never asked. That's true. Or even Styles, because Styles is pretty inquisitive. Yeah, that's true. Scott's probably just like, eh, whatever. But Styles, yeah, I feel like... Has Styles seen anyone with blood? Did he see Derek transformed ever, like, as... A werewolf before he was the alpha? I can't remember. I I want to say when it was revealed that Peter was the alpha and Styles was in between Peter and Derek, and Derek was about to attack Peter, yeah, that's when we really saw him with his blue eyes. Yeah, and I suppose he was there when Jackson got brought back as well. So. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. We'll just have to file that away and uh, we'll get the answer eventually. <laughs> file. Yeah. Speaking of getting the answer eventually, I think we will about this bottles thing as well. I don't think that's just like a bad set thing. If you know, I don't think that was just like an accident. You know, like oh, we forgot to make the set all messy for when Dylan came back for that. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was a thing that they do. So, yeah. So my next point is kind of a small one, and I just wanted to bring it up. And I'm going to talk about Allison a little bit more and how I feel about her so far this season when we get to our listener feedback, because I had a really nice conversation with somebody on Twitter. But Allison is staring daggers at Derek in the scene when they're trying to convince him the symbol on their arm means something. Mm. And that scene was filled with so much tension and you could just see the hatred coming mm. out of Allison there. I know and and I really kind of felt for Derek in that when he said to you know Scott does she know what her mother was trying to do because Derek Allison clearly still 
hates Derek because of her mother, which I guess sort of fair enough, even though I still maintain that it was it didn't really force her hand. It was her own prejudices that forced her hand, not Derek's you know, accidental biting of her. But the fact that she still doesn't know that, like, Scott, like, that that was the reason that her mother was trying to kill Scott and that Derek was saving him. Oh, she needs to know this. Like, I feel like it's a really horrible thing for her to have to face, but the fact is that her mother's dead and Derek's here now and they are all going to have to be allies. And I feel like that she needs to know this. And, and, you know, in order to be able to work with the werewolves like she needs to know that and you know to work with Derek or to have any modicum of trust ever in the whole pack in general but it kind of I really noticed like Derek kind of being like Scott why haven't you told her this and like the idea of Derek sort of not liking that some you know not like not not that like oh he's sad that Allison doesn't like him because he clearly thinks Allison is fucking crazy as well (laughs) but he does he does he he thinks Allison is nuts um which is somewhat fair but he doesn't want people to think he's worse than he is if you know what I mean right like and I I kind of yeah I, I really feel for him on that that like he doesn't want you know Allison or or anyone to think that he has motivations that he doesn't have that he is like more vicious than he is or anything like that and that he doesn't like the idea that she has this false idea of him especially since what he was trying to do was like to save Scott and Scott won't even like isn't even whatever like grateful or whatever enough to tell Allison the truth about that and so I mean why do you think Scott isn't telling her I mean obviously they haven't been talking and and they you know he said, oh, we need to talk, but I doubt it was about that. Like, I don't think that that's right. what she was going to tell him. So what do you think? Why do you think Scott never told her? I, honestly, I am not surprised Scott didn't tell her because think about it. Like, her mother just died. Why would he be like, oh, by the way, she got bit because she was trying to kill me. Like, Allison's already going through a lot. And to throw that on top of the pile, I could see him just not just wanting to spare her that because that's sort of a horrible thing that she did and I don't think he, Scott wants to put Allison through any more than he like than she's already been through true but on the other hand I mean for some people it might also it might help them deal with it if they knew all of the facts about the situation and knew that it was like not as much of a, a victim or whatever but it's then she'd also have to deal with the fact that her mother was Right now, she's, like, sad and seeing her mother as, like, an innocent victim or whatever and heartbroken. So it would it's a really kind of interesting and potentially hard thing to start to, like, reevaluate someone once they're already dead. And it's something that she's already had to do with Kate, I guess, as well. Like, come to terms with the fact that it, though she'd loved Kate personally – that she didn't know what she was really like and that that she has no way of ever talking to her about the fact that she was a psychopath. So, and now she has to kind of know that, you know, this person that she was close to or whatever was really pretty horrible and, you know, whether that makes you feel stupid for having liked them or whether it changes how you feel about them or whether it makes you angry at yourself for how you felt about them in the past, it's very confusing. Yeah, and, I mean, the good thing is that... We should be getting the reaction of Allison finding out about her mother, I would think, at the beginning of the next episode, because that was a cruel cliffhanger, by the way. Just like, stop. (laughs) 
what what does he mean? And then, you know, cut to black. Yeah. I was like, really? Really, you couldn't give us that? Mm, for sure. And so basically with that scene, they – I can't even remember how that scene, like, ended. Like, did they just be like, no, we're not working with each other, or they just sort of went away to work – separately or what Derek told Allison to find something real and he just sort of walked out and then that's what kind of put Allison, Allison on goes this off to research yeah, yeah and she logo. figures out that it's some sort of logo and that's when she finds out that it's for the bank can I just say Karen and I hope you noticed this because I didn't I didn't I, and I feel really bad I cannot believe this. I was so angry. I was, I, I just, I just, oh, I just went straight to it and I was just like, mm. but basically Allison types into the computer when they're in the library, her and Lydia, you know, she's making Lydia sit with her while she researches. And she says, it says, she types into the computer, Beacon Hills business logos, L-O-G-O apostrophe S, which is incorrect. It should be logos without an apostrophe. And I just was just like, why? Why have you done this? Like, is it just, I mean, Crystal Reed actually typed it in. Maybe she doesn't know how to spell, like, or something. But I was just like, why have you done this? Um, I just, I, it's just, it was started, it, it literally stood out for me. Like, it went straight, straight out for me. I don't know. I just, I was so frustrated by it. <laughs> I feel like if Matt had been there, he would have been yelling. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Oedipus, you dumbass. <laughs> In my defense for not noticing that, I was paying attention to, like, I forget what it was called exactly, but the search engine she was using, like, Quick Lookup, or I don't even remember what it was. And I was thinking, like, okay, so they can't use Google, probably, because they'd have to pay them to have it in their in their show. And I was going through this, like, whole theory in my head. So in my defense, that's why I did not notice the mistake. <laughs> I feel like I feel like talking about the search engines is going to bring up the whole like. Have, do you see the people screaming after Spider Man came out, being like, "Peter Parker would never use Bing." Um, <laughs> it was this whole thing? It was amazing. That library scene also had Lydia um, noticing the twins again, obviously, who still in the show we don't know their names, but we know they're in the Alpha Pack, and Lydia is very very interested. And Allison says, "Oh, you know," she says, "I want one," and Allison says oh, which one? And Lydia goes, the straight one, duh. And so she, she could clearly tell one was gay. And we do see him, that one, kind of turning away to look at, like, sort of, you know, greet Danny as he walks past. So that's sort of, sort of starting to go somewhere. Just jumping back to the first scene with them with Derek, though, I kind of liked that Styles was there as well, that he just kind of popped up in, like, I didn't realise he was there until it sort of cut away to him. And and that he was really trying to, like, keep the peace with everyone. And when he was like, look, everyone should be fine, you know, like Derek sort of talks about Allison shooting him full of arrows. And he, shoot, he was like, look, we're all cool. No one's died. You know, there may have been a little maiming, a little mangling, but no death. And he was like, that's what I call an important distinction. And it was like he was trying to be on everyone's side and bring everyone together. And it was just, I loved it. Like, I love how dedicated he is to, to the cause and to everyone and trying to be fair to people and I just like his his presence there basically yeah it was funny but at the same time it kind of bothered me because clearly Allison's mother died and I don't know if that was just sort of like an easy segue into her bringing that up to death yeah, but true. it bugged me a little bit that Styles either 
didn't remember that, which I doubt, or he just sort of ignored the fact or kind of saw it as something separate when it Mm. really wasn't. That's true. That's interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I I took him to just to be talking about their sort of... Yeah, that's a possibility. Them as the kids, but, like, that none of them had directly killed each other, but obviously... And he sort of clearly knows the full story about Victoria as well, so maybe he, you know, didn't think about it that way. But, yeah, uh, it may have been a segue just to to bring that up. Just before we go into the next bit, the bit in between those two scenes of of them meeting and Alice starting the research was actually the scene in the classroom with Coach teaching the economics class. And I found a couple of things about this interesting. Number one, that he actually seems like a really good teacher, like, fun and like enigmatic and kind of he has good teaching methods and he actually cares about his subject I like I love the way that he was like impressed with Scott and he's not cruel as a teacher which is obviously the opposite of Harris yeah (laughs) cruel people who are cruel as teachers are just the worst to me I just it's what I hate it I hate it so much but he's I, I really love him as a teacher it's it's really awesome but when he's sort of talking about the risk and reward and he's doing the game of throwing the quarter into the cup and, you know, you either get normal, you know, you can have your normal life or you can choose, you know, risk of losing and getting more work in the class or winning and getting no work and and not having to do extra work um, that everyone else was doing. And he was like, or you can choose not to play. And Scott sort of, says he offers it to Scott and Scott says like choose not to play which I felt was like a pretty strong metaphor for like Scott's involvement in being a werewolf and that he's trying to you know choose not to play what with not being in Derek's pack and and everything like that but I mean I guess he's kind of failing at that given that he's trying to help Boyd and and Erica and and everything like that because I think he feels like he has to save them but in general like his whole avoidance of being involved and, and trying to get away from it all and the fact that he is, you know, been so dedicated to being a better student and, you know, just a better normal person, it really does feel like he's sort of choosing not to play in the terms of the, the Teen Wolf, uh, like the, the secret werewolf underground, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know if I really – I mean, I think it's definitely a strong metaphor. I'm not sure I really saw it as him choosing not to play as in him choosing not to participate although when you bring up that he chooses not to be a part of Derek's pack that definitely makes sense I sort of just saw it as he's not willing to risk everything in order to get a better reward like he'd rather just go down the straight and narrow do the work he has to do because it's safer and I think that's a really good mindset for him to be in especially to counter Derek who is so willing to risk everything for the greater reward and Scott is just being the mature one here and saying wait let's stop let's think about this and really weigh our options here yeah it's it's interesting like he yeah he's just very yeah cool-headed and restrained kind of thing whereas Styles is like oh oh me me I'll I'll have you know which was funny but yeah obviously from from there also we had Styles finding out that Heather was missing and her his father investigating the case and when they said that you know oh her friends said that you were the last person who saw her I kind of thought they were going to be like, oh, is he going to be taken in as a suspect or something? Like, I was worried about that for a second, but obviously didn't 
didn't happen yet, thankfully. Yeah. I had a question about the bruise, actually. Back to... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was wondering how in the world... I mean, obviously we don't know who Megan Tandy's character is or what she is, but how in the world was she able to bruise them with the exact logo of this bank to give them this clue? That just seems really sort of odd to me. Yeah, I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I think it's awesome, and I think it, it was a really unique way to sort of leave them that clue. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know how that would actually work. Mm, I'm trying to, like, hold my fingers in different positions and yes. be like, like, mm, she kind of, yeah, I don't think it's, honestly, I don't think it's physically possible. I don't know how she did it. But it, and it made me think, like, at first when she did it, I thought it wasn't natural. I didn't think it was, like, just a bruise. Like, I didn't think it was just her squeezing and making a bruise. I thought it was, like, something on her palm, like, that she'd stamped, if you know what I mean, or a brand. Oh. Maybe maybe she's got the psychic powers or something, as we've discussed, and and maybe she had the ability to force things to her will, kind of. I don't know. But I, I, I can't physically work out how you how you would do it. Yeah, maybe it's not with her fingers, but sort of like a telekinetic thing where she yeah. pushed the symbol from her hand, like, to their wrist yeah. or something yeah. like that. I don't know. That's interesting. Hopefully we sort of get an answer. Well, when we figure out what she is, hopefully we'll kind of be able to figure out how she did that. Yeah. But then after that, yeah, we go to Deaton's office, and he's going to be helping them with getting Isaac's memories back. And basically he explains that they have to put him in an ice bath. This will pretty much nearly kill him, but it will allow him to sort of be half transformed. And then they, Deaton can talk to him sort of like he's being hypnotized and hopefully get those memories out of his head and figure out what happened to Boyd and Erica and why Isaac's memories are missing. Yeah, like it is, weird that Dean knows this. I need to know how how he's doing this, basically. But this whole long process was was really interesting in that, you know, Isaac was sort of very willing to go along with it and yeah, or Styles, Scott and Derek all sort of helping and calmly working together, which is is really good. Like it's it's just really good that they are able to do that. <laughs> it feels like I've waited so long for them to be able to function. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I feel like I've been waiting forever for them to function because I've rewatched the first two seasons so many times that, you know, they haven't and it, and they just keep being fail at being a team. And I just, I, it's like I almost can't believe that they are a functioning unit. Like, it, it's, it's almost like I can't believe what I'm saying, but I love it. Um, yeah, it's so strange, but at the same time, it works so well that I'm glad we're just sort of past that hump and we're in this stage now. Yeah. Basically, they start doing that, and basically Deaton starts talking to him, to Isaac, and gets this information out of him, which is cool. They find out that it's an abandoned bank vault where they're hiding the the people and and they kind of they try to figure out why and they they work out what what location it was basically like from from the logo and sort of at the same time elsewhere Allison also finds what logo it was and and where they where they might be so she's off working on her own um 
finding the same results that they're finding by hypnotizing Isaac. Isaac comes out of it pretty clearly with like, at first he's kind of mumbling to Deaton and giving him sort of these half answers and then he, and it feels like he's he's just there again and is panicking and stuff like that. And then he comes out of it pretty strongly and he has like, he's like, no, I remember, I saw the vault, I saw the name of the place and he's, he's got, he's himself and he's got the clear memories. But before that he says, well, apparently, at least Styles tells him, he's like, do you remember what you said before you came out of it? And he's like, no. And he says, Isaac says, there's a dead body uh, in the room. There's a body. There's a dead body. It's Erica. And everyone's very shocked about this. But some people in the team accept immediately that Erica's dead and don't seem to be too bothered by it. Okay, Styles, he's just like, throughout the rest of the episode, he's like, they're very matter of fact about this basically but but yeah that's a bit of a sort of a horrid thing the one high point of the scene from that scene for me though was look i i was kind of watching this and as i've said i i like the idea of steric i get the idea of sort of where people are getting it from but i don't actively like i'm not actively like dragging every one of their interactions to be like oh my god this means this oh my god they're so secretly in love like i'm like i can totally see how it could work potentially and I get that it's like you know an interesting dynamic or whatever but oh my god when they kind of work out where the bank vault is and how people broke into it um Derek's like you know how, how are you going to find this information and Stars kind of says to him it's the internet Derek it'll take 30 seconds or whatever the way he looks at him it was something like it was not you know it was not necessarily romantic but it was so fond it was so like and and I've seen a lot of people saying this, but I saw it and I was like, like I, I had not seen people saying it before I saw the episode. It was so fond. It was like, it's kind of like the way you look at someone when it's like, it was kind of like a, oh, honey, no. Kind of like, oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. But, but not in a like, oh, my God, you idiot. It was like, it was like sweet, if you know what I mean. Like, it was really like warm. And I was just like, oh, they're at that stage where it's like, oh, honey, no, that's, it's really cute, and it's it doesn't have to mean anything, like, ship-wise. But what's interesting to me is that it could. Basically, it feels like it could go in any direction that Jeff wanted it to. Like, that, that, it, that it's not... I don't feel like he's, like, pandering to fans. Right. Derek, at all. But I feel like it's sort of at the point where he's not catering to the fans for the sake of catering to the fans, but it's almost like it could, you know, it, it could go in any direction that he wanted to, to make it go and the, that it would work. And, and like, and the fact that, again, this is kind of a realistic progression. This is why people think that him and, you know, Derek and Styles could get together is because if they continue to work together as a team, that their dynamic is going to go from like, no, you idiot to this kind of thing. And, you know, it could potentially never be romantic, like, it could potentially never be interested in each other like that. This dynamic, like, the, you know, pa- the once they're past enemies dynamic of their of their banter is amazing. Like, it's it's amazing. And it gets better in the episode, in, in this same episode. It, yeah. It, it definitely uh, increases. And it's it's really interesting to me. And Brooke, who does our, our Tumblr and stuff, she said to me when I was talking about it, she was like, I saw an amazing comment last night. Someone commented about this uh, saying the Derek and Styles dynamic is seriously A plus because they're not catering to fan service while simultaneously catering to fan service. And she says, and it's just so, so true. 
Um, I've never seen a showrunner be able to blend what his fandom wants with what the show does or needs so well. Like, it's it's really true, like, that they, yeah, that it doesn't feel like pandering, it doesn't feel like they're forcing anyone's hand, and it has the potential to go in any direction, while it's also sort of an aspect that they know the fans really, really love seeing. So it's it, they've balanced it very well. Like, they've managed to put in stuff without making it, pandery which is very hard I think to do and I really like how they've done it. I agree because it doesn't feel out of place to me and I mean for the record I'm pretty much in the same place as you in that I like the idea of Steric. I think it's possible but I don't actively look for this stuff between them but in this episode and, and like you said again it wasn't necessarily romantic it doesn't necessarily mean that but just the relationship as friends as allies I'm really enjoying it and it doesn't feel out of place like they could put those interactions in there knowing that the fans are going to eat this up and it could feel awkward but it doesn't it's part of the storyline it's very natural in the way that they're reacting to each other and it's just building off of what they've been having in the last two years mm, just without the like I'm um, you you might kill me kind of aggression right like, exactly <laughs> yeah it's like once the trust is there once the fear is gone all they have left is kind of banter and it works um and it's not queer baiting it's not like people accuse Sherlock or Supernatural of doing of forcing these moments that are really like oh you know clearly um meant to be like this homoerotic tension for the sake of people who they know, you know, are the fangirls, but then, like, never actually go there. This doesn't need to go there. This isn't like that. This isn't queer baiting. This isn't, you know, trying to imply, like, oh, my God, we're so codependent and we need each other and we love each other, but, you know, no homo, y'all. Um, like, other shows do have a problem of, of trying to pander on purpose these queer relationships that they know are popular as much as they can, like, really trying to make it obvious that, you know, drop all these hints about, you know, romantic intentions and then never actually going there because that would get them in, you know, in trouble with the wider wider audience. Um, right. This isn't like that. This is just, you know, interactions. And, again, how they would naturally develop once they started to trust each other. And I love it. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, it's perfect. And I hope we get to see a lot more of it throughout this first part of the season. I know Jeff said that the two of them aren't going to be interacting a lot, but I mean, so far they've been together quite a bit. So maybe that was just to mislead us or something. Because Jeff is a troll, and I'll bring this up in a little bit, but I'm (laughs) starting to not trust anything he says anymore. Yeah, I'm very curious about a few things as well we have i mean a little bit later with with the derek and styles scene obviously the the other scene of them together with the with the fist uh fist comment that (laughs) that was that was pushing it they knew what was happening there that was very um thing but i love that he kind of went along with it like i love that you know yeah like let me see the fist and he's just like i roll like it's it's not like he's not just like get off, leave me alone kind of thing. He's, like, he's like reluctantly playing along with him. I mean, he does take the opportunity to punch him in the face. But, again, Styles is not too bothered by this. It's, like, it's just, like, oh, yeah, this is just what we do. And it's just, it was so good. Like, I was, I was like, is this actually happening right now? I can't, <laughs> like, is this not a fan fiction? Because this yeah. scene, 
again, it's it's not it's not like I'm like gonna like be like, oh my god, I'm never gonna watch the show if Stars and Derek don't get together, kind of thing. Like I don't actually care, but it's just what keeps getting to me is this. I've read a lot of fan fiction about periods after season two where the pack, everyone around the pack, is more trusting of each other and what their dynamic is like once that trust happens and this is so like that like it's so like that like people have really got the characters right from season one or two because the way that they've developed them in the show is very similar to the way that they've developed them in fan fiction which as I said I don't think it's like Jeff stealing from fan fiction I think it's the characters being really well drawn and being able to tell what they're going to be like once they develop more and I think that's really cool um, so it, that just keeps really exciting me. Like I keep being like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and being really excited. Um, and I think part of it too is just the fact that I really love Styles. I think he's hilarious. And right now I really love Derek and I think he's so funny. And putting those two characters together aside from Steric is just really offers you a lot of really awesome moments. And so I just really want to see more of that for that fact alone. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like, Derek is so, like, matter-of-factly sassy now. It's I love it. Amazing. I cannot believe how funny he is. It's so good. It's so good. I'm so scared that he's going to go back to being horrible and, like, angry. Um, because he's so good. It's killing me. So I guess the next bit is that Allison finds the, the vault. She finds the bank uh, before, before Scott and Derek decide to go in themselves. Allison is already there. Do we know why Allison is there? Like, do we know, like, does she know anything about, like, does she know that Boyd and Erica might be there? Or does she know that all she knows is that, all she knows is this is the place and that the girl looking for Scott really needed Scott. Like, it was a big deal. Is that all Allison knows? I think she does think it has mostly to do with the girl. But at the same time, I think she knows that this might be a clue that will lead them to Boyd and Erica. I don't know if she knows that this is actually where Boyd and Erica might be. And if anything, I'm fairly certain she had no idea the Alpha Pack would be there. So I, does she even know about the Alpha Pack at this point? I don't know. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm a bit confused as to what Allison knows. But aside from all of that, it's surprising to me that she's so gung-ho about looking for this symbol, about going to the bank after her promise with her father to stay out of everything. I mean, I think they both did that knowing that it would be better. And I really feel like she's trying to prove herself to Derek, like because she says, oh, well, somebody wants me to find real information, so I'm going to go find real information. And it's really strange dynamic that she seems so willing to try to prove herself to him. I feel like she wouldn't have walked in there if she knew exactly what was going on. Like, I think maybe she really just thought it was abandoned. Like, Yeah, that's what I think, too. So basically, at the same time she's doing that, the guys are sort of looking at, you know, maps of the place, trying to get into the, the building, you know, talking about going in. Peter is trying to convince them not to go, basically. Derek's very determined to try and save them. They're talking about how to get in. We have the whole fisting bit with um oh gosh (laughs) sorry um (laughs) we had the whole bit the the fist joke and and that Derek is gonna punch through the wall and oh my god it was so terrible but amazing Peter is very anti he you know Derek wants Peter to come and he's like you know what 
no, I have no investment here and I'm not going to risk myself at all. At least he's honest. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's like, he's like, there's no point. They're going to be dead and you're probably going to be dead too. So, you know, just he was like, they were sweet kids. We'll miss them very much kind of thing. And that was that was also quite funny of him. But also, again, we have Derek kind of looking across the table and being like, what about you? And Styles is instantly like, oh, yeah, I'll come if you want me to. He obviously wasn't talking to Styles. He was talking to Scott. But Styles was in between him and Derek. And Styles was instantly just like, yeah, I'm in kind of thing, which is – it, which is also a kind of a cool thing. Um, I mean, a stupid thing about Styles, but but cool as well. I love the way that Derek was just like, not you. Like, he was so exasperated. And yeah. it's just, uh, I love Derek so much this season. He's just I know. amazing. I know. Oh, it's so good. So they go along, but by the time they're going along, Allison is already inside, basically, searching around. Ms. Morell finds her in there, shoves her in a cupboard and says, don't come out till the fighting starts or or whatever. And, I, you know, I, I guess she was trying to, trying to save her or some people said she was trying to trick her. I, I don't really understand what happened. You know, I'm still not clear whose side... Miss Morell is on because later we see her with Deucalion and it's all very dramatic. So yeah, I, what's going on there? I have some theories about this. First of all, I don't trust Morell that much. Like I definitely trust Deaton. I think he's a good guy. Morell, I really am not so sure about, but I don't necessarily think she would put Allison's life in danger or that she would. I don't think she really wants Derek and Scott and Boyd and Cora dead either. But mm. the thing is, she says, go into the closet. When you hear the fighting start, that's when you can come out. She doesn't say that's when you can escape or that's when you can leave. That's when you can come out. So I'm wondering if Allison ended up being her backup plan that, yeah, she locked Derek and Scott in the vault with Boyd and Cora, but Allison was there to break the seal to, so that they could leave. So yeah. I'm sort of wondering if she did that on purpose. What, so that, like, she saved them via Allison? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, do Like, that she's by name a bad girl, like a baddie, but, like, that she didn't want, that she, but that she found a way to, you know, actually help them or whatever. I think she's very much in a gray area, and she'll do what she has to do, but I don't necessarily think she's willing to kill off innocent people, especially kids. Yeah. And so I think she was surprised and kind of mad that Allison showed up because, yeah, her, her cover is blown now, mm. and so now Allison knows that morale's in with everything, but at the same time, it did allow her to save Derek and Scott and the others, too. I mean, obviously, that's going to have its own consequences. But I think because Tukalian specifically says, oh, don't act like you've never gotten your hands dirty before. So I think Morel was kind of hesitant about what she did. Mm. So I think her being able to save them was sort of like her ace in the hole. And, and she was glad that it kind of came about like it did. Yeah, 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 I agree. Uh, 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 yeah, maybe she she's going soft or something. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Derek and Scott basically go in to try and save Boyd and Erica if she's apparently alive. Um, Allison, in meanwhile, finds Erica's 
body. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Because Jeff very specifically said on Tumblr, Erica was not being brought back just to have her killed. She will be in several more episodes. Now, the thing with Jeff is, I think he likes those turn of phrases where, yeah, she's not being brought back just to be killed because she's already dead. So I can Mm. see him being technical about that. But at the same time, he did say she's going to be in several more episodes. So... I guess, like, that could just be in flashbacks, like, memory stuff, because, I mean, that's more than a possibility. We'll probably be seeing her through flashbacks, through people's memories, maybe Isaac's or Boyd's, so, but, uh, it kind of really made maybe, me bad. or maybe Derek's gonna try and, like, bring her back to life, like, Peter's gonna, like, she's gonna, he's gonna make Peter tell him how to bring her back to life, or maybe... I mean, was it meant to definitely be her? Like, could it have been someone else or a trick to trick Derek or anything like that? I I mean, I think it was her. Some people were wondering if it was Heather because they do look kind of similar and they have this mm-hmm. color hair. But, like, I really do think that was Erica. And I really do think that she's dead. Maybe Derek will bring her back, but... Maybe that'll be, like, how we get the blue eyes. Like, we find out about the blue eyes. Because we know Erica's not got blue eyes. So, how did you like the part about Derek so willing to risk his life for the pack? I think that it really shows how much he's grown. He's not cocky like he was in season two where he thinks, you know, he's awesome because he's hopped up on his alpha juice. He's Mm. seriously concerned about his pack members and Mm. he's willing to risk his own life to save them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what he says, I know what I, because Scott's like, Hey, I don't, he's like risk and reward. I don't think we've figured out the risk. And, And Scott sort of starts to suspect that something's up and, Derek, yeah, he's very kind of noble and he doesn't really, he's noble to the point of stupidity almost, like he doesn't think or he doesn't care about about mm-hmm. the risks. It's very Gryffindor. Um, it <laughs> says, he says, yeah, I sort of, I know what I'm risking my life for theirs. And he, yeah, he must feel guilt at least, like responsibility or, or guilt about about the whole situation. In the meantime, Peter and Styles are sort of, talking hanging out I, I don't know why you just leave styles with peter like which, yeah like that's a, but like their their dynamic is amazing as well like and you know peter saying you know styles being all stressed and peter saying I, I could beat you unconscious and wake you when it's over kind of thing but they're back and forth um which is just hysterical and they both seem to be enjoying it leads to styles figuring out the the actual problem which is when they re- they kind of realize that the whole thing is a trap that the alpha pack want Derek to break in and they want him to be trapped in with Erica and with a uh, with Boyd and whoever else is in there because there is uh and, the, and we find out the reason they picked the bank vault as well because there'd been this whole thing why would you choose an abandoned bank vault why would, why is this their lair and blah blah it's because some of the concrete of the of the walls is made with how, how did you say this was it hecatolite? Yeah, something like that. And it's a it's a mineral particle that reflects moonlight. And so basically, if Derek punches a hole through the wall and lets in the moon, it will make the werewolves trapped in there crazy. Apparently, being locked out in this bank vault, um, they haven't like fully shifted for for three months or whatever, three full moons. I mean, do they need actual moonbeam exposure to change? Like, didn't 
Scott change when he was trapped inside the freezer in Isaac's basement? Like, do they need the moonlight touching them to change? Like, I don't think so, but the thing with that is I think it made them not feel the effects of the moon at all. Like, not even just the moon beam being on them, but it was almost uh, like there was, so it, was, it, was a, so it was, like, literally reflecting it away from them, like a mirrored... Right. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So that... So that the hecatolite was was going to be blocking them, like a you know lead, you know Superman and and lead or whatever. Okay, that makes sense. And obviously, once Derek punches a hole in the wall and and lets the the light through, or or you know the natural world through, it will make them like super shift and go crazy and you know rip them apart. Like basically, Styles calls them up and and tells them about it and says. You know, yeah, basically it's like, you know, the gladiators and, and the lions and, you know, them, they, they starve the lions on purpose so they'll be more angry for for fighting and, and stuff like that and that they've basically just walked into that. And so that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the real big thing in this scene is that, oh, my God, Cora is... Derek's younger sister. I scream. I screamed. <laughs> no, I wasn't shocked. I guess I wasn't really shocked, I, but it was his face and his voice, and I was just like, "Oh my god." Yeah, I felt for him, but I I would have been surprised if she wasn't his sister. Like I I think I don't know why I just trusted fandom. Like I it, people <laughs> kind of like they're like, "Oh, she's about the right age," you know, just what they said. Like young, you know, she's been on her own far too, you know, longer than anyone. I'm like, I feel like that she's either sister or cousin, but someone who was living in the Hale house, either his sister or Peter's daughter, like, or another family member's daughter who'd been living in the house and that she was a Hale that had, you know, I mean, he wouldn't have seen her since she was like 11 or or something, 10 or 11. But, but yeah, I just, that's always who I thought she was going to be. Like, I would have been really surprised if she wasn't. His, yeah. uh, his family like I knew she was a hail we've said it we've said it on the podcast before so I wasn't fully shocked I was just like yes this is this is coming to terms as as expected but Derek I felt for him yes um I mean it's interesting because you know it's I don't know if she's a prisoner there or if she's there to kind of help Jukalian with the you know it says that the alpha pack has betas is she one of his betas oh Oh, jeez, I hope not. Because I saw something, like, on MTV, like, hang on, just give me one second. I'm just going to find this. That, like, are we, like, do we think she's, like, a victim? Like, she's trapped there, like, Boyd? Or that she's, like, kind of someone that they are sending in to help with the people that are there or whatever, but who are not? I suppose, but at the same time, she, we saw a clip later on in the season where she very clearly attacks Ennis, and he sort of, throws her to the ground so I mean I I suppose she could be like a double agent but I think that would be really hard for her to cross and manipulate her own brother so I guess I don't really see that happening I just saw the title of a news post that I didn't click on and read yet yeah will Derek a blog post on MTV will Derek be able to stop his teen wolf sister if she continues to serve Deucalion like what like yeah basically she seemed to know what was going on. I mean, I think it was to do with her warning him to leave and then as soon as he resisted, she kind of, like, lunged at him. Like, she kind of, you know, scratched at him. Not scratched at him, but, like, you know, went to attack him. 
And it says, it's not clear if, at the moment if, if Cora's serving Deucalion of her own free will or if she's just another one of his pawns. But either way, she certainly wasn't up for tea and chit-chat with her long-lost bro in the Beacon Hills bank vault. So I don't know if it's like if, if Cora is actually like a beta of Deucalion and is like working for him and like helping him with Boyd or if she is another one of his victims who like she's going to be like a killing machine that he made like a wet he made her into a, a weapon or whatever you know we don't know where her head's at obviously but it was just the title of this blog i was like yeah Ukalian? is that is that what's happening like is that is that a thing i mean i sort of interpret it as the fact that they haven't felt the full moon for so long and yeah. that's why they were so angry and that's why she was attacking because that's why boyd was attacking too but i guess hey you know Deucalion's supposed to be really manipulative and very intelligent, so I can see him take advantage of the fact that Derek's sister is still alive somewhere and that, you know, using her against him and maybe yeah. holding something over Korra to make her attack him or something like that. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I'm a bit confused, but oh well. I guess we'll see more of that next week. But, yeah, basically, it's that, you know, they're trapped. Well, I mean, what was the little circle of crystals? Is that meant to have been um, mountain ash, like trapping them in, like the way yeah. that, that we did with the um, – who who laid it? Morel, I'm guessing, Morel? because she finished it. Yeah, okay, interesting. And so Allison breaks the circle and lets Boyd out. Do you think Boyd she out. should have done that and let um, Boyd and Cora go? Potentially wasn't the best plan. <laughs> but at it's the not, same it's time. Not up there, it's not up there with Sam Tarly leaving the, the zombie-killing knife in the snow after he, and running away after he uses it to kill one zombie. But it's um, just a Game of Thrones reference for those who don't okay, know. Okay, I was so confused. <laughs> oh, there's this – it's slightly – He's not stupid, he's very intellectual, but this sort of idiotic character that basically found a... They have these, like, whites. Like, they have these, like, reanimated body zombie thing, snow creatures. And one of them, like, he comes at one and he found this sort of magic knife. He didn't know what it would do. It was made of, like, obsidian. And it breaks his sword. He stabs it with the knife. It explodes the zombie. And he drops it in the snow and runs away. And I'm like, surely you'd keep the thing that worked to kill it. Like, really? And it literally, the whole internet was, like, screaming about it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I think that letting Boyd and Cora go was probably a bad plan especially when Derek was like don't break the circle and and was trying to handle it I guess she was scared for Scott and what you said about her locking Morel locking her in the cupboard and saying you can come out when the fighting starts maybe maybe it wasn't for the intention of saving Scott and Derek maybe it was for the intention of like she knew knew Allison would break the circle and maybe she wanted to set Boyd and Cora loose you know maybe she's totally crazy Maybe, although I sort of see this whole plan, like maybe Morel has her own motives, that's definitely a possibility, but I see Deucalion like laying this plan to kill Scott, because we know that that's who he's after, so I can't imagine him at least actually wanting Boyd and Cora to be let out, but maybe Morel has her own agenda, and that could be something, although she didn't know Allison was going to be there, I don't think, unless she's got her own psychic on her side or something. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess that was sort of... It wouldn't have been a very good backup plan if she didn't know it was going to happen until... Yeah, maybe she was was accepting what was going to happen, and then when she realized Allison was there, she was like, oh, maybe this could happen. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, then our last scene is Lydia screaming in her bedroom, and it was just like, ugh, what does this mean already? Yeah, I mean, we don't know why. Obviously, when um, yeah, when De- as we mentioned, when when Derek, Scott, and Allison get out, they um have the whole interaction, and Scott basically is. It looks like Scott's gonna be forced to tell Allison why she shouldn't hate Derek so much or whatever. But um, then Lydia, we have no idea why that happened. We have no idea what she's, you know, if it's just like a recurrence of like her, you know, fears and trauma from before, or what's going on with her, or anything we don't know at all so that was a pleasant ending to the episode yeah and i'm listening very closely to the screams and they all sound exactly the same and i just uh that's got to mean something i just don't know what yet all in all i thought it was like possibly the best episode of teen wolf it was really good like i feel like it was it was like next level like everything about it was just very good. I, I really I really loved everyone in it, and I just I, I, I can't get over it. It was, re- it was really awesome. Yeah, it was so intense. It was so funny. A lot of our favorite characters came back. You know, we got to see Peter and Coach and Danny, and it was just a really solid episode that lays the groundwork for more of what's going to be coming, and I just, uh, I wish it was Monday again already. Yeah, I know. So, to wrap up our episode, we've got a couple of pieces of feedback. This first one is from Selena, one of our commenters on Hypeable, and she says, When Deaton put Isaac in the ice water and said that if you yell at him, he'll slip from his trance, when Derek shouted at Isaac, asking, Where are you? Isaac suddenly remembered more than he did when Deaton calmly asked him general questions. So, did Deaton lie or just didn't think it would work? I'm leaning towards he didn't think it would work because, like I said, I trust Deaton. I think he's a good guy, and I I don't really know why it worked fine when Derek was shouting at him, but yeah. Um, yeah, even when Derek did start shouting, Deaton was like, you're going to disorientate him, you're going to mess him up. So maybe he thought it wouldn't work. Maybe he thought it would, like, addle him and, and make him lose track but maybe he's never done it with a beta with his alpha there. Like maybe the alpha bond is like stronger than like that. He is commanded like that. He is intrinsically kind of going to physically and emotionally react. Like the alpha thing is like such an obedience thing, like such a like submissive, like obedience thing that, and Isaac shows that with Derek, like a lot. And so maybe it's like, because it's Derek, he's, pulling more out of him and maybe like Deaton just hadn't had that experience with like a beta and an alpha there and didn't know that like yeah if one person's talking to him it should have been Derek the whole time right that makes sense the other one we had was from Jack F who I believe is on Twitter is like Jack Picker F or something who is someone who we know on Hyperbole as well, um, a regular commenter. And he says, the only problem I had was with Alison. She's getting annoying. She seemed a bit arrogant to everything and a bit self-centered. However, her actions make sense, do make sense due to her mother. I personally do always find Alison a little bit 
arrogant. She seems very certain of herself. But but yeah. Oh, can I just bring up right now as well before you give your response something that I forgot, which was Allison and Derek's like sick burns at each other at the end of the episode where they're kind of all outside the the bank vault and they're yelling at each other. And Derek's like, why'd you do that? You've spoiled everything. And she's like, this is not my fault. I'm not the one turning teenagers into killers. And then Derek says, no, that's just the rest of your family, like about them, their influence on Allison and I guess on Kate as well. I'm like, wow, they were two really sick burns on both of their parts. That was, yeah. that was oh, snap to both of you. It was really intense. <laughs> it was like that, that back and forth where I was like, wow, that was really really intense so she is she is a bit arrogant but I I like her better than I did at the end of last season you know when she was going her toe that total like cold calculated thing that really didn't come across as very natural with her but you also wrote a response yeah okay I really like Allison this season I think she's sort of broken and she's not the smiley person that she used to be in season one. And I think obviously that's a given considering everything that she's been through, but I'm sort of proud of her in that moment when she's talking to Derek for holding her rage in and sort of being constructive. She's sort of obsessed with finding out what this symbol means and what logo it is that it's Mm. the bank logo. And Although I can totally see where both you and Jack are coming from, that she's arrogant and self-centered and that she's kind of annoying. I just... Not self-centered. I don't think self-centered. I think arrogant. I think she has... I think she's arrogant and um, she's pretty convinced that she's right, but not necessarily... It's not like selfish or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just really liked her in this episode. I think she's trying very hard to be normal and it's... It's a struggle. It's really difficult. And she's still dealing with a lot. She's still very angry. But at the same time, she could have let Derek die in the bank vault. Yeah, totally. I mean, that could have been bad for Scott, too. But if she was really that angry at Derek, she could have found a way to save Scott and maybe keep Derek in there. And she didn't. And I'm just I'm very proud of her kind of growing and realizing more and more that she was doing the wrong thing and that she needs to be a better person. Yeah, I agree. I think that she is cool. I mean, I was surprised that she went off by herself and that they didn't like, you know, that she went off in there without telling them that she'd found anything out, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, but um, because if she had, they would have realized that they were all on the same page. But you know, I guess she was looking for the proof because she's like, oh, she found out it was a bank, but she didn't have all the information Styles had about the, you know, robbery and, like, what they might be using it for and stuff like that. All right. Well, that is all we have for episode um, 23 about Chaos Rising, which was a very thrilling um, and exciting and excellent episode of Teen Wolf. So I'm very stoked for what we have next. Next week, I believe, we have uh, a guest host coming on, if that's still happening. I believe so, yeah. Cool. And, yeah, we'll so we should have a third person to discuss the show. And it will be really cool because, yeah, next week is the episode Fireflies, and we don't know exactly, obviously, what's going to happen. I think there's some new, more new characters. Hopefully some of the Alpha Pack will start getting names soon because it keeps being annoying yeah. to me that we know what their names are, but they're not, like, they don't have identities, like, to our character, like, to Scott and, like, to Styles and stuff like that yet. So maybe twins. Maybe twins will start having an actual plot next week. That would be nice. Yeah. 
Okay, so for now, um, we'll go and just let us know if you want to talk, if there's anything you want us to talk about on the next episode or any any theories, if you have, yeah, are you looking for any, like, theories at the moment, Karen? Like, are you looking for any kind of... Uh, yes, um, I am. I, I didn't get a chance to look at this too closely, but if anybody out there has any um, theories or headcanon on... Miss Morell and her name, I believe Duquelin called her Mary or Marion. He used a first name for sure, yeah. yeah. And people were talking about something about Deaton's daughter, and I I don't know. I was very confused. So if you guys have any information about uh, Morell or any headcanon about her, send them our way. I'm really interested in reading Yeah. Any good theories in meta, we usually reblog and exclaim over anyway. So yeah, just just if you got if you guys find any good theories, yeah, send them to us and we shall pick them apart. <laughs> and not in a bad way. We'll just yes. be like 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 last week we were we found a few. We were just like crying and just like just being like I can't believe this. Oh my god. So yeah, we'll do some more of that. Um, anyway, so for now we'll go. So bye bye. Bye, guys. Bye. intro song me singing teen wolves so, <laughs> no don't don't do that um oh come on why not uh not as not as the intro uh, um <laughs> no i'm gonna put um peter's intro music as the intro because it was just <laughs> awesome. he's so good makes me cry how good he is <laughs> um, i just love him